Welcome back to another episode of Losing Part of Me. In today's episode, I talk with one of my very dear friends. My lovely friend, Paul Ince, otherwise known as Biz Paul, which is what I will refer to him through this podcast because that's the name I use for him, is actually in the same world as I am. So he has his own business. He has a marketing agency. He's a speaker. He has his own business event. And we met years ago at a business event and became firm friends pretty early on. But what was really cool and one of the reasons I wanted him on the podcast was one, he has been sober for five years now and he is able to talk about his own journey where maybe he wasn't to the level that I am in terms of the problem with alcohol, but he certainly realised that his, his relationship with alcohol could be improved by not drinking um, and that he didn't like what alcohol brought to his life. So it's interesting having the conversation with him about his sober journey. Um, And also we talk about the fact of like how you almost have to come out and say to the world, I am not a drinker anymore or I've gone sober and how that comes across and how you feel about that and how it was for him in the early days of trying to still have a social life or you know what his social life might look like because of the fact that he stopped drinking we also talk about uh because he's one of my most knowledgeable and smartest friends that i have we talk about society and culture and how we especially in the uk are revolved around alcohol and drinking and how it's accepted and ingrained in pretty much everything we do in the UK and how it's attached to every social occasion and even social occasions that you wouldn't imagine it's attached to things like children's parties. So we have a really honest conversation about that. He tells us a few stories about his time with alcohol and what it's like getting sober. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Here is my dear friend, Bispol. Bispol, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Teresa. Thanks for having me here. I am really looking forward to our conversation today. So let's start off with... Well, I've already mentioned in the intro that you and I are friends and you are one of the very few people that knew from pretty much day one that I had stopped drinking. Um, And let's talk briefly about, before we get chatting about other things that we want to talk about, why you decided to stop. I had thought about it before, before I actually had the moment when I decided to stop. I think I had begun begun to regret certain actions over, over a long period of, of time. Um, this, I suppose there's a little bit of, of backstory. I actually stopped drinking after my marriage ended, but the marriage ending, I don't think, was the cause of me deciding to stop drinking, and I don't believe that my drinking was the cause of the end of my marriage either although honestly I'm not the person to to <laughs> say whether it was or not I guess um but I had started to feel regretted and and regret and shame is a huge part of my journey to sobriety I guess mm. um 
the not knowing and the worry about not knowing what had happened was also massive. Mm-hmm. So I would go on a night out, drink lots, um, not really be able to start, which is another part of the, the whole thing. And I would um, wake up and instantly go, mm-hmm. what have I done? What have I done? Now, we can talk about certain events or, or whatever, if, if if you like, but I would often not remember what had happened the night before, the time before I was drinking. And there were plenty of moments where I did some pretty crazy things. Like, so, for example, one time I decided that I could definitely scare the drain pipe all the way up a two-story building Why? and get safely back down again because I'm Spider-Man. It's not the average thing we do on a night out. No, it's not the average thing, but I made it to the top. And I also made it to the bottom. It's just that I wasn't in control of how I got to the bottom. And do you not like... I just think about times like that, like, and I didn't scale lampposts, thank God. Um, but do you not think I could have fallen, hit my head, and I could be dead now? You mean now or yeah. at the time? No, now. Oh, there's there's many occasions where I look back and think that was a really dangerous situation. That's a really dangerous thing that you did. Sometimes it would be, you know, scaling the drain pipe, I go, ah, look at me. Um, sometimes it would be how I interacted with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it would be doing things because they were dangerous. Um, and, you know, aren't I funny? Uh, mm. <laughs> you know, doing these, yeah. doing these dangerous things. Um, and at no point in the moment did I think, oh, what could happen because I had the, you know, like, cloak of invincibility yeah. on the drunken cloak of invincibility um but there was there was lots of times where i would put myself in dangerous situations but i wouldn't remember and then the next morning i would go mm. and and the first thing i would think is what did i do what did i do or sometimes what is this plaster cast for so <laughs> i'm trying not to laugh at these things but like well you know we are very good friends and i think sometimes you have to like laugh at some things um and not take them too seriously talk well, to me about oh go on sorry well i was gonna say i was i was okay with you know falling from a drain pipe as it happened because i think you know and i'm not advocating doing this but i think the alcohol would cause me to um, relax mm-hmm. when i hit the pavement so it wasn't it wasn't too bad wow. um but but yeah like i say it's the it's the what have, what have i done and i would check my phone that was the that was the thing check my phone i would check text messages voicemail um facebook you know what what have i done what have i said to somebody and by and large it was fine i don't really remember anything one of the big drivers into actually stopping was as my business was becoming more successful i guess Mm. I suddenly had this feeling that I couldn't risk that. Yeah. The the thought of sending a client 
a drunken voice message, actually, I really love you. Or, you know, like, I really find your message really nasty and I don't want to work with you, you know, or something, you know, whatever. That became too much of a risk. And I think, actually, there was a risk-reward kind of balance going on in my mind and I couldn't risk it anymore. So one of the things that we used to joke about, which now... I mean, we can still laugh about it, but it's not really very funny, is that you came to my house. And so Bizpool finished, uh, he stopped drinking. How many, how long are you sober now? Uh, I'm five years in June. Amazing. So he stopped considerably before I did. And we joke, and like I said, half funny, not funny, that he came and stayed at our house and we got absolutely smashed which we were having a good time we were having fun but obviously that isn't unusual for me to get absolutely smashed and we were down and we had a hell of a night like it was a funny <laughs> old night right and we didn't hurt anybody we were in my home and it was me you and my husband and we had so much fun and we laughed a lot and we watched the golden globes or something i can't remember yeah. but we were dancing and messing around and some stories went on my Instagram, which obviously I put up, which was always my thing. Like, like you, the fear of having a conversation with someone because we send voice DMs and as the night goes on, my voice starts to slur or the fear of putting something on social media thinking, well, this is fun at the time. And then after thinking, oh my goodness. And I remember we had so much interaction obviously, because it was hilarious watching you and I act like fools and drunk. And I remember someone going, oh my God, you'll laugh, right? Because I am howling, but I am so drunk. And it was just, and that was as much as I could cope with being out in the public domain. But how soon after that night did you stop drinking? Uh, the day after, no. <laughs> not quite that soon. Two days. It wasn't quite. It wasn't quite that soon. Actually, that night was not one of the big uh, deciding factors. I mean, you know, we do joke that you almost killed me. Yeah. Um, with the with with the quantities of the, I think we were drinking gin. We must have been drinking gin. Probably. Um, I'm I'm quite a slight person, or or you know, I'm just I'm small. He's right? very. I'm just like. I'm small, you know, I'm five foot two or five foot three if I go on tiptoes. And uh, I can't, I can't take it. And my body physically can't handle uh, that anyway. Um, Although I became very good at it, as I think most people with a drink problem do become very good at it uh, because your body trains itself to, I guess, process it. Um, But I'm... (laughs) I was so, I was so ill going home. You were, um, it's, but it wasn't. It wasn't one of the the, the worst moments. There's, there's a meme or a, something, a trend that, that has been going on social media for for years, where it's one of these things where it's like, show a time when people thought you were at your best, and it was one of your lowest moments. Mm. And I can absolutely pinpoint when that was, and it was at an award ceremony. Um, in Loughborough, uh, where I won like an enterprising star of the year or, or something like that. And we had a massive night out. It was something to do with the university. So 
I remember going back into the student union and, and actually like finding my way in the student union offices with all the officers and drinking the rest of the drink that had been left on the tables. And then we went out to the revolution and I, I checked my award into the, to the cloakroom, like I was dead fancy. And I don't remember anything, but I do remember being very, very ill mm. the next, the next day. Um, and that was, that was quite soon after I was split up from my wife. So that was definitely the moment when I was at my lowest. But I, I think there's been, you know, over time, there's a number of things that happen. You go, I regret that, I regret that, I regret that. Mm. And there just came a point where I didn't want to feel regret and self-loathing anymore. Like I was done with how that made me feel. I decided that I would journal it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a fan. I would... Yeah, I, I thought I would try and journal it. I, I don't journal, really. Sometimes I'll write things out, but I decided that now is the time and every day I would take it day by day. And I and I opened a book and I said, I put the date in and I said day one. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down how I felt and how I didn't want to do it again, and why I didn't want to do it again. And there's such great reasoning. I mean, when I actually read it back now, it's quite frightening. Mm-hmm. But I put all my reasoning in there, and I did that every day for about eighteen months, I would say. Why? And like I said, I don't, I don't journal, but that helped me. And you don't, you didn't have any points where you were like, "No, I really want a drink. I'm just gonna have a drink." Um, or tempted that you might have a drink. Oh, I was very tempted that I might. I was worried that I might because I I didn't trust myself. Mm. I didn't trust myself in the situations, and I could I could become a recluse if I if I wanted to. That I could have done that, but I didn't. I didn't want to do that because I was, you know, separated, and I didn't want to not have friends or be around people or meet people you know I didn't I didn't want that I had to find a way to still be this Paul and interact with people but without the alcohol so you said a couple of things there that I want to touch on and actually go well with what we're talking about today is I'm interested to find out socially what happened to you as in like because one thing that I haven't done or didn't do is say to anybody, I don't drink anymore. I'm not drinking anymore. Like the majority of people are finding out as this podcast comes out. And I've been in social situations, one's very early doors, where I actually pretended I was drinking and had drinks that looked like alcoholic drinks just so no one would question me because I didn't know what to say to them and I didn't have the strength to try and explain how I felt or what was happening or and I didn't want them to know quite honestly and not that wasn't actually from a shame point of view that was a it's none of you goddamn business and I wasn't in a good headspace to to have a conversation about it but how did you find because I know you and I had a conversation but how did you find generally 
people when you were telling them? Because one of the things that you just said that I wrote down was, you know, that you would, you were worried about letting people down by not going to that event, but in hindsight, and I think that's something that I can say in hindsight, there were things I did that I should have said no to, a hundred percent should have said no to because I wasn't ready to manage it. And it could have, it could have toppled my sobriety. It could have made me have a drink because I wasn't putting myself first and I didn't want to let people down and I didn't want to be a party people and I didn't want all those things. So how was it when you did start telling people, I'm visible and I now don't drink? I didn't use the word sober for, mm. I don't know, a couple of years. Mm. Like because I felt that the word sober had all these connotations of mm. like alcoholic and yeah uh would i say i was an alcoholic i don't feel like that's the best term for my drinking problem but i would say that i had a drinking problem and the, mm. there were problems associated with my alcohol consumption and everything around it now i'm happy to say that i'm sober mm. you know i live a life of sobriety in 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 that sense and um that's that's why I'm comfortable with that. But it took a while to do that because I guess the cultural connotations mm. associated with that. Um, I also think the other thing is that the industry that you and I both work in mm -hmm. is very sociable. Very. You know, yeah. people sometimes say to me, because I have my children every weekend, and I, oh, wouldn't you like to go on and find a Saturday? Mm. No. Mm. And I've always been like, you know, I can I could go out every day of the week yeah. if I wanted to to some work-based marketing-based promotional-based function mm. like it's not really a great space to uh, to be sober potentially but um there, there's there's that pressure there and of course society is full of people going oh go on yeah oh go on so it was like it was like you have to come out as yeah. a drinker yeah you have to like, admit to people Actually, I'm, I'm really sorry, I've got something to, to tell you. I don't you know, drink anymore. Don't drink. Um, I've, to, to begin with, I, I always use the excuse, I'm driving. Yeah. That's a Which good one. Think... And by, by the way, like being able to drive home oh. is one of the best advantages Honestly, of not drinking ever. Knowing that I could get in a car at any point and drive. Like I yeah. have, like you, I, uh, my daughter does time with me and time with her dad, as you have your children separated as well. And the thought that now if something happened and I had to get to her quick, I could, feels really good that I can drive at any point and do anything. Whereas, you know, and I think I say in one of the episodes, you know, my stepchildren in particular who would want a lift places would know there's no point if you're phoning at seven o'clock asking for a lift, you're never going to get one because, and thank God we were that sensible not to drive. Like, because who knows, you know, people do ridiculously crazy things, but but it was just a given. But the social thing, and this is what I wanted us to talk about a bit, is so fascinating because I don't know about you, and obviously at this point as we're recording this, like I haven't had that many conversations and not many conversations where I'm out and about and not drinking. But did you find that people, you almost had to explain why you didn't drink or that there was obviously a reason behind not drinking or like I get the feeling and, and I think in, in my limited experience, people, they want to know why. Like 
I'm not drinking. Why? Like, oh, or, oh no, just have one. Just have one. It's fine. Like, where does this come from? It's crazy. Yeah, I do. I think I, I can't, to be honest, I can't remember because <laughs> it's so long ago. Yeah. I, mean, I can't, I can't, um, I can't remember exactly whether at the beginning people would ask why, but I think what I did do was I did what I needed to do to avoid the question. So, for example, um, I would, I mean, thank God for alcohol-free versions of things. Yes. Now, yeah. some people choose not to do that, the psychological connotations, and that's yeah. absolutely right for, for them. For me... I'm quite comfortable with the non-alcoholic versions of things and make sure that they're not like the low alcohol and make sure they're alcohol free. Mm -hmm. And someone might come, you know, contact you, I guess, following this podcast to go, well, actually, none of them are alcohol free for X, Y, Z, right? Because okay. fermentation involved, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Yeah, that that's fine. That for me and my habit and why I decided that that works um, for me. Um, but what I found was that... Uh, I would have, you know, a non-alcoholic bottle of beer was a very visual cue that I was drinking. Yeah. And yeah. so if people did ask the question to begin with, if if they didn't notice, fine. If they did notice, they might ask it to begin with. And then two, three drinks in there, they've completely forgotten about mm. it because they're half cup, perhaps. So 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 I did I did a lot of I did a lot of that. Um I, I think generally society is better anyway at that. I mean, I've noticed over the five years an increase in the different types of alcohol alternatives um, and people accepting that. One of the things I wanted to talk about with you, and it was because it was one of the very first conversations that we had when you stopped drinking, we were going away for a weekend uh, me, my husband, you, to go and see some friends of ours. And you said to me in the car, I'm not drinking, right? And initially, in my head, I went, ah, oh. like, oh, God, great, right? And I, like, in my head, immediately, that's what would have happened. But there was fun. Oh, we had great fun. It was really good. I mean, again, I was very drunk, but we did have good fun. Um, but... I had just finished reading or was in the process of reading, which again, like it's not until I start looking at these timelines that then I go, God, it, it was that long. I knew I had a problem, but didn't do anything. I was reading Annie Grace's This Naked Mind. And in there, she talks about lots of amazing concepts that kind of really make me think about alcohol. And the one being, well, there's many of them, but one of them being, why is it that, it's like the only drug that people generally get annoyed by you not taking part in. Like saying, oh, just have one. You can have one. Just have one. And it's like no one would go, just have a line of Coke. Like, what's wrong? Oh, you know, it won't hurt. Just have the one. Just have one line of Coke. Like, who would say that? No one. Well, people do say that. Well, no, I'm sure do. they do in some circles, I mean, but yeah, not ours. I, I, think, I think the, not in ours, no, sure, but the, I think whatever substance it is, mm -hmm. I think the only difference really here is that alcohol is legal. Yeah. Um, socially it, acceptable. Socially acceptable. The British culture has drinking as a large part of it, whether it's the 
number of public houses that exist, how close they are to your mm -hmm. to your house. Yeah. The fact that people go and socialize there. Um, and a lot of that stems from the fact that, you know, you couldn't drink the water in 1600, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I remember, this is quite interesting. I remember going to, I went to a, a stag weekend in Limoges in France. Right. And about 15 lads stayed in this chateau run by these two sisters. And they got all, you, you just paid a fee and like they provided everything. They cooked for you, they did your breakfast, all this kind of stuff. And they brought in loads of alcohol. And because we were all English, they got this like 8.5% strength oh lager yeah. because they assumed that that's what we would want to drink because the British get pissed. Yeah. And that's our reputation. across. Yeah. That's, that's what we're known for, which I think is really embarrassing, actually. It is. And it wasn't that long ago that wasn't it Spain have brought in a thing that in all inclusives, British people, they put a cap on it. Like, yeah, yeah. it is embarrassing that, that we're seen as this is what we do, but it is what we do. I feel like when I was younger and first got drunk or first was sick through alcohol, that it's almost like a rite of passage. Yes. Right. Which again, as a parent, and yes, okay, I am probably much more sensitive to this stuff given that I have an addiction to alcohol, but... I couldn't actually imagine going to my daughter. Oh, here we go. She's got smashed. She's bombing. This is, or, you know, or again, if it was any other substance, you would be, I would be as a parent, absolutely horrified that my daughter was taking drugs or horrified that she had sniffed cocaine or whatever it might be. And yet with alcohol, I remember my mum cleaning up giving me no judgment, no shame, no nothing, because, well, we've all been there. Mm. And now these kind of lines and these phrases and these, it blows my mind. And I'm trying not to be, one thing that was interesting in Annie Grace's book is she, she gives some great points. If you haven't read it, like by all means, go and give it a go. And I did like it. I did like her book. But she gets quite preachy about stuff. And I I think trying to find that line for me is tricky at this point. Like she talks about, and she's not the only one to talk about this, that alcohol is poison. And it is. And it wouldn't pass a test now with food standards. If they were to retest alcohol as to whether it's okay for consumption, it wouldn't pass. It's got, you know things in it that fuel cars like it, it is it is not good our body does not like and know how to process alcohol it's not something that we should be having however and and therefore when i think about the world around us and the culture around us and how accepting it is and how how strongly you know it's encouraged one of my first uh flights that i did sober was a business class flight and I get on the plane and the very first thing they do is offer you champagne, right, again. And one thing that Annie Grace talks about, which is is interesting for me to just change it in my brain. Again, I'm not saying, I'm trying not to sound preachy with anything because I really am not. And I don't feel like that. But, you know, I am all for my husband who can drink champagne and not want to finish the bottle and continue to do balls asleep. Um, 
but she she talks about imagine swap alcohol for cocaine so imagine getting onto a plane and then going would you like a line of cocaine yeah. well that's utter madness who the hell would ever in what world would that ever be a thing but of course really alcohol today that shouldn't necessarily be a thing and then so obviously i have my orange juice which quite frankly i want to throw back in her face because i don't want to glass of orange juice i want champagne but you know she doesn't know that and then she brings the the dinner menu and she passes it and immediately hands me the menu and says nothing about the food literally menu the wines are on the back again at uh, the drugs or the whatever it is they're on the back if you want to oh. uh, help yourself to whatever they are like it just it's so entrenched that I think what I'm trying to say is it's not I'm not saying it from a preachy kind of you know we shouldn't be doing that I'm saying it from a very sympathetic kindness that it's no flipping wonder some people have trouble one of the things that I struggled with is celebrating how do you celebrate if you're not drinking good one. See, I, maybe I'm looking at, I haven't, I haven't had much to celebrate uh, since it's been sober, but you know, if I was, if I was to celebrate, so here's where I am at, 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 at the moment, like with, with my head with it. Mm -hmm. So I am, I'm at peace with wanting to celebrate in a way that's quite a traditional way to celebrate. Like mm -hmm. I'm 50 next year and I'm thinking, well, I would have a party. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like I need to drink at my own party. No. If people want to drink, that's that's up to them. I'll be leaving before it gets raucous and yeah. people get thrown out because I don't want that for me. Uh but I have thought about that and I what would what would I want? Would I would I prefer a nice meal? These days I would probably prefer, you know, a nice big meal mm. and everyone could do their own their own thing. I don't need a rave in a field. No. But I'm kind. I'm kind of okay with the Western way of celebrating mm. because I know I won't drink. Yeah. 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 And I, yeah. And I know I won't now. It just, you know, one of the things that I do in and in, in my business is we talk about goal setting, and every time you hit a goal, how are you going to celebrate? And and it just, like I said, I literally was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I celebrate without drinking. Um, like I didn't know how you relaxed without drinking or how you had fun without drinking. Like, I guess it's just one of those things that we we relearn and... Yeah. And I, th I think that's it. I think, I think that's it. I think it's about relearning mm -hmm. because I enjoy socialising. I enjoy seeing people. I... Don't please don't put me somewhere in the countryside with no Wi-Fi and you know growing vegetables. I'm sorry, I know you're into that. I love growing but, vegetables. You know, put me in a city centre when it's dark. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to be stepping over like drunk bodies mm. in the in the in the, the street. I want to be out by that time. But I like the hubbub and and mm. stuff like that. So. So I like socialising. I want I want to to do that. 
But I think for me, it's about relearning how to do that in a way that works for me and still gives me enjoyment. I want to be able to hold a conversation. I want to be able to remember the conversation the next day. But I find it, I find it, I find it fascinating. Mm. So I've, I've relearned how to socialize. But part of that for me has been about understanding that it's okay to have a limit of that socializing Mm. and to get out and to make it, to take a decision, to make a change for you in that moment or in that event. If it's, if you're not enjoying it, it's time to go. If other people around you are getting to a state that does not work for you or puts you in danger or um, puts you at risk of something, whether it's relapsing or having a drink or, or whatever, it's mm. time It's time to go. Yeah. And it's okay to say, I'm going now, see you later. Please mm-hmm. make sure you get home safely or you can come with me if you want me to take you home. Yeah. Um, and having the confidence to do that has been a big thing in enabling me to enjoy those moments because i don't want to sit at home and just watch netflix mm. so that's that works for me but every journey is different isn't it and that's that's a really interesting perspective to take because i think i i still get exhausted by having to be out there are certain places i can I can go quite happily. So our local restaurant that we go to all the time, I can go there. I know what drink I'm having. We're never there very long. We're not getting absolutely smashed. But in a matter of days time, I'm going to be at a conference and the night before is a night out. The night of the conference is a night out. And I know my I will not manage brilliantly with that. And even well, if it even if it's not a case of me thinking I want to drink while I'm there, which I probably will. And I need to be ready for that, even from a point of view of I'm just surrounded by it and I'm just aware of it. And that hyper awareness of it will wear me out. Well, yeah, you're you're on, you know, you're on alert Yeah. to it because I think of where you are on your journey as well. Mm. You've got to be on alert yeah. because people don't know and someone buys you a drink without asking you. And here you go. Here's... Here's a gin and tonic tea. You always like, oh, here's a Prosecco for you. Like, yeah. you've got to be on alert. Everyone knows I don't drink now. Yeah. Like, pe- pe- people know I don't, I don't even, I don't even get asked. No. I mean, interesting, I don't always get asked out. That I hate. I hate mm. people assuming that because I don't drink, I don't want to do something. That I'm, I'm angry about, actually, because I find that offensive. That's like... Mm saying to somebody who's from a different culture, oh, they won't want to do this because they're Muslim or, you know, yeah. I, I just find that, I'm sure the two aren't equal, but, you know, that's that's how I feel about it. Uh, but, you know, how ridiculous is it as an idea to have an, have an event which is about learning? Yeah. And but to yeah. have a party the night before or some event the night before. Like, how is that conducive? I'm not like, it's like an offline no, no, no. event, but like, how is, how is that not. conducive? to what we're going to do the next day and what you're going to do yeah it's not but again i remember joking obviously not that long ago over a year ago obviously that i'm not entirely sure if i could do a talk the next day if i hadn't got drunk the night before like i used to do that i used to get drunk and i used to tell myself don't drink too much don't drink too much because obviously it was standard voice in my head but like but i did every and then i still got up and i still did the thing next day and like 
it's only now that I'm start and and last year I couldn't take that into account because even though I was sober I was struggling so hard with just staying sober whereas now it'll be interesting to start to see how I show up how I mm-hmm. um um the not in getting invited out I had my first experience this the other day and it was actually my family which was most disappointing over Christmas my dad's side of the family had a big get together and I didn't even get an invite like the whole family were there but I wasn't and I said to my dad he said something about it and I said you know where was my he said oh something about you come and I said well I wasn't invited dad and he went oh well it was in a pub I didn't think he would want to and I was mm-hmm. like I could have I'd have been all right like I know it was in a pub I'd have been all right like you should have asked me you should have said and that sucked that was that didn't feel nice at all so yeah I can imagine that um and I think that's the thing we need to to we need to be able to demonstrate that we can make our own decisions for ourselves and therefore still ask the questions still invite me still do those things and if I don't think I'm going to manage or I don't think that I can cope with that at this point understand that I will use my voice and say yeah. and I think I'll let you know yeah and I think I couldn't have said that six months ago because I wasn't using my voice and I put myself in way too many risky situations um for just wanting to conform how I'd always conformed yeah. but Same. I can't and I couldn't and I shouldn't have done it Biz Paul, it's been lovely to have a chat with you, uh, as always. I knew it would. Um, anything, you, I think these last few bits of the conversation have been really, really awesome, especially in the, for me, from this, it's taking that power and knowing this is what I will do if I feel like this. Like, and I haven't actually, because I haven't done anything for a while and next week is the first time I'm going out. Again, weirdly with people who don't know I don't drink anymore. Um, And I might tell them, I might, because I'm in a very different space to where I was 12 months ago. But I think what I've taken from our conversation is that I need to really give it some thought about what do I want to do if I feel a certain way because I was white knuckling it last time like literally hanging on by the skin of my teeth whereas this time I don't have to because I'm not in that same situation but it doesn't mean that I should just go well I'll be fine I'll just go along without a plan so I think knowing what my plan is knowing at the point of going this is getting hard like because I I like you was always the last one to bed always finishing the party always the people who were like let's have another drink before we do one more thing like you know and I found myself still trying to be in that scenario even though I wasn't drinking and I didn't want to be so yeah that was really really helpful anything else any advice that you would give someone who is because I think not that this is about you know how bad someone is and how bad someone isn't but I think there is a scale and I was further down that scale than you were but if someone was in the position that you are that are thinking do you know what I'm just not liking this and I'm not sure this is for me anymore what would you what advice would you give them I think turning uh, turning things around in terms of how you want to perceive things for for, for you is re- is really important. So we talked about relearning. Mm. 
understanding those small moments that feel better is what is what did it for me whether that's going somewhere and going oh i actually had a great time mm. and i didn't drink and i didn't break my my legs kind of drained by um and you know that's they're like they're like little wins and i think there is a confidence thing because as we've said society is geared up for alcohol and if you're choosing mm. to do something that is not societal norm, you're going against the grain yeah. so I, yes i do think it's good to have a strategy but that strategy could just be i'm out yeah and one thing i noticed this is a little tip right one thing i noticed is that people don't notice you've gone mm-hmm. like if like and that's fine right they don't need to know that you've gone like i think before in my drink days i'll be like i'm going down you know and go yeah. around the room and take like three hours to say goodbye because i wanted people to know that i'd gone yeah and that obviously maybe they'd have a worse time because i'd gone now whereas understanding the benefit to you as an individual of going my decision is this i'm going i don't need to tell anybody unless you know unless you're like everyone's ride or whatever but yeah you know, <laughs> it's a bit rude that's kind of mean <laughs> but you know, just just slipping away or going and doing the thing that works for you. Whether it's yeah. I'm speaking at a conference, I don't want to be around people who are getting drunk. I don't need to be out late because I want to be at my best. So I'm going and I'm using my power of autonomy to, to mm. take that decision. Learning that that's a real benefit to you, I think, is it's been huge for yeah. me. And actually, it has taught me a bigger, valuable life lesson, which is. I can, I can take more control over my actions. I can set my own path, and that I can be confident that I can do that. Mm. Giving up drinking, giving up alcohol, is the best decision I have made in my entire life. Why? The clarity that it's given me over the time that I've got on this earth, however you know, that's long or short the ability for me to remember things, the ability for me to work towards something that I want to without a distraction, the ability for me to remember someone's birthday mm-hmm. and the little things that mattered to other people but didn't really matter to me, that's made it the best decision and the one that I don't regret. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. I really, really appreciate you joining me for this episode.